I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic Magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Off the Pike, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of this episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome into Off the Pike. I'm Brian Barrett. After the Patriots beat the Miami Dolphins at Gillette this afternoon, 23-21. to The Patriots are still alive, people. They control their own destiny, although technically I get it. You can't really control your own destiny. But hey, they win next week against the Buffalo Bills. The Patriots are in the playoffs for the second consecutive season. Now, I don't envision that happening. I'll get into that in greater detail later on. We're going to be joined by three-time Super Bowl champ James White in just a little bit. But man, this is a wild game this afternoon because it really did feel like at one point the Patriots were not going to be able to pull this out. And just so much crazy stuff happened in this game. And some of the stuff that I continue to come back to with this Patriots team, they make dumb mistakes all the time. We'll get into that. The Brandon Schooler thing, you can't be running into the punter in that particular situation to extend a drive for the Dolphins. But some of the time management stuff, too, is just so bizarre from a Patriots aspect in this. I mean, I even think about late in the game. It's 23 to 14, and you have a fourth and four at the Miami 29-yard line. Okay, why not just take the points there? You make it 26 to 14 with, what, 228 left in the game. It's over. But the Patriots tried to go for it there, which I don't get it at all because the Patriots have not been aggressive all season long with their play calling and their decisions, if you will. And that's the time you try to win the game fourth and four with Mac Jones, who just like runs away and takes a sack. I have no idea why the Patriots would do that. Their behavior all season long would tell you they would take the points there because points are very difficult for the Patriots to score, as we saw again today. And I don't know why Belichick made that decision. So he's made some really mind numbing decisions all season long. And we saw more of that today. And the game in itself just got off to a weird start. Remember, the first series of the game, Mostert is hit by Peppers, who fumbles. And then 
they called it forward progress. Like the hit caused the fumble and somehow the officials decided that that was forward progress. It made no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, it was a bullshit call. I don't get it. How could it be forward progress if you just get hit? But nonetheless, at least the Patriots did score on their first drive. And it's not like it made a big difference in the game. The Patriots won and they, as we mentioned, they scored in the ensuing drive anyway. So not a big deal, but just kind of told you that it was going to be a weird afternoon. And so Right now, in terms of a broader standpoint, I don't feel good about this team entering the final week of the season. How could you? I don't feel like they made any progress from an offensive perspective whatsoever. And let me just start there. So if you look at it, the Patriots, their first series of the game, they go down the field, they score a touchdown. You're feeling good about the Patriots. You're like, oh my God, the Patriots, they're one of the worst teams in the entire NFL in terms of first quarter scoring. In fact, they are 32nd, 2.1 points per game in the first quarter entering week 17. They score on their first drive. Oh, yeah, the Patriots are really bad in the red zone all season long. 38.5% in terms of their touchdown percentage. No other team was south of 43 entering week 17. And the Patriots score a touchdown in their first series of the game. And it was actually like a good design and it was a good play call, right? Basically what they did is they put Thornton in motion and then they had him go behind Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry, who was a really good red zone threat for this team a season ago before Patricia took over. What do you have? 10 touchdowns last year. So he's a threat in the red zone. You have Thornton run behind him. And basically he just like clears out the defense. Thornton gets a really easy touchdown there. And you're thinking to yourself, hey, you know what? Crazy idea. A guy that's good in the red zone, Hunter Henry. You take a guy that runs a 4-2-8, you put him behind him. And guess what happens? Good things can happen. For once, I was like, holy shit, an innovative play and design by Matt Patricia. We very rarely see that. And then after that, we didn't really see much creation or good play calling the remainder of the game. And then another thing I would mention is just the end of the half management. This is more on Bill than it is Patricia, but what were they doing? They have the ball at the two-yard line, their own two. Harris runs for 11 yards. Okay. You pick up the first down. I get taking your time, like, if you don't pick up the first down there, but you picked up the first down. Harris picked up 11 yards. They let 35 seconds come off the clock, right? They run the entire play clock, and now you're down to a minute. Why would you do that? If you get the initial play to be a positive play, and in this particular situation, a first down, that means you should be more aggressive. The Patriots don't. Remember this whole idea that we used to have during the Brady era? The double up, right? The Patriots, they go down the field at the end of the half, they score. Then the next time they get the ball after half, they score again. Well, with the Patriots, now the double up doesn't exist. Basically, the double up is, hey, let's not give the other team the ball. Like, the Patriots were petrified Miami was going to get the ball at the end of the half with Teddy Bridgewater. Hey, let's not let them get the ball. And then we'll get a three and out when we come out of halftime. That's what the double up has turned into. Don't let the other team get the ball. Not, hey, let's be aggressive. Let's try to score. It's, hey, let's make sure we don't fuck this up because if we do, we're in real trouble. That's what the Patriots have turned into. They're scared in terms of how they play offensive football and a lot of the decisions they make, which brings me back to the decision they made at the end of the game. Just kick the field goal. It's in your DNA to be passive. I don't know why they did that. Anyway, so if you just look at this today, the Patriots scored on what? Their offense, this is where I... Feel, I don't feel like they made any progress whatsoever. They scored on three of their 11 drives. That's 27.8% of their drives they scored on. The Patriots coming into today were at 33.1%. That's 24th. Tennessee's lasted 27.2. So the Patriots are basically barely better than the worst offense in the NFL against the Dolphins defense that we outlined for you on Thursday was not that good. And then you look at this just in terms of the plays per drive. On the season, the Patriots have been miserable when it comes to that. They're at 5.4 plays per drive. That's 30th in the NFL. The Texans are last at 5.2. The Patriots today are at 5.1. So when it comes to 
staying on the football field. They're worse than the worst team of the NFL, the Houston Texans. Their yards per play today was at 4.4. The Rams are last at 4.7. Again, this is not a good Miami defense. And then you look at the first downs. Tennessee's last in the NFL at 16.1. The Patriots had 14 first downs in this game. They went on a stretch there basically after their opening drive until, what, midway through the third quarter before they could even move the ball at all. I mean, it was really embarrassing. And then the total yards, they had 249. Houston's last at 278.9. The Patriots at 249 today. And the Dolphins, their defense, they give up 353.8 yards per game. And the Patriots are at 249 today. So I can't feel good about this whatsoever. And even like this whole idea, at least last year, the Patriots could like dominate time of possession, right? Because they had a really good running game. Despite the fact that they have two good running backs, they don't do that. You look at it today, the Patriots in this game, 25 minutes and 45 seconds in terms of their time of possession. The worst team in the league is at 28-11. The Patriots had the ball in the first half for 10 minutes and 32 seconds. They can't extend drives. They don't really get big plays whatsoever. So there's a lot of the same shit that we've seen all season long. So it's great, I guess, that the Patriots have a chance to pull off the crazy upset next week against the Buffalo Bills and get into the postseason, but it just seems like we're denying the inevitable, right? I have a real difficult time today being fired up about a Patriots win where I felt like the offense, in fact, looked worse than it has at a lot of points this season. I feel I can't really be optimistic about where we're at right now. It'd be disingenuous of me to come on here and be like, oh, I'm so pumped the Patriots won. I'm not. Like, I've watched the game. If you watch the game, there's no reason you could be pumped or optimistic going forward. It's not like Mac had a big game or something. He had a couple of nice throws in this game. I'll give him that. Early on when he found Thornton down the sideline, the one they reviewed for 24, that was a nice ball. Then he had a nice throw to Myers where he got hit and he delivered it, 17 yards. That was a nice play. Second drive of the game where he found Hunter Henry for 29 yards where he put it right in front of him. Perfect throw by Mack. And then later on, when it was 16 to 14, you're at your own 25, he finds Myers. That was a really nice throw as well. So I thought all in all, Mac Jones had a couple of nice throws, but then you can look at the bad ones too. He tried a deep ball to Aguilar that was nowhere close. He missed a wide open Hunter Henry like in the flat. Remember that play just threw it like at his legs. I mean, that guy is wide open. An NFL quarterback needs to make that throw. And I almost feel like it's weird saying this. Mac was better than he ordinarily was. Like, that was one of the better games Mac has played this year, which tells you how bad Mac has been this season, right? Because you feel like, all right, yeah, Mac was pretty good today, but then you look back at all the throws that he missed, and you look at the final numbers, he throws for 203 yards. The Dolphins were giving up 244.7 passing yards per game, 28th in the NFL. The Dolphins have been bad all season long against the pass. They were without Howard. They were without Bradley Chubb, and the Patriots, and in particular the quarterback, they couldn't move the ball with any level of consistency whatsoever. Oh, and another thing. And you knew I was going to get here. What the fuck happened to Kendrick Bourne again? This guy barely plays in the game. This is unbelievable to me. And you know what's so infuriating about the Bourne situation is I know he had the false start. Great. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to overreact to that. We see everybody on this Patriots team with dumb penalties and we see dumb decisions by the coaching staff. So the guy had a penalty. Sorry. Trent Brown has a penalty like every two seconds. My word. But anyway, getting back to the Bourne part of the equation here is... They give him him the ball in sort of like a bubble screen, and he runs for 16 yards. He makes a bunch of guys miss, okay? So, and this is when the Patriots needed to score, right? So, you put him in when you need to score, and you realize, oh, this is actually the guy that if we're going to run all these screens, like Matt Patricia's obsessed with screens, Mac's screen rate is the third highest in the NFL. No disrespect to Myers. Myers had a tremendous game. I love the catch at the end of the game there, too, where he went up and he got it. But nonetheless, my point is this. 
Kendrick Bourne is a yak monster. 7.1 yak per reception last year, which was seventh of the NFL. Myers this year is at 3.4. Last year, he's at 2.7. Myers cannot create after the catch. Myers is a really good receiver. This is not meant to be an indictment on Myers, but you're running all these screens to Jacoby Myers. If you're going to run screens, you should be running them to the guy that's actually good after the catch. And this guy barely played today after he had six grabs for 100 yards. What are we doing? How does it make any sense whatsoever? You have a guy that had this breakout game last week. You finally had to play him because of all the injuries. And then this week, you don't try to build off that? I don't get it whatsoever. And you're running all these plays <laughs> that Kendrick Bourne would be good at. And Jacoby Myers, who had a good game, he's not good at the type of plays you were trying to run there, all these bubble screens, etc. You have a guy that's good at him, so why don't you run with that guy on the field at times? I just don't understand it whatsoever. It is just pisses me off so much, and I thought... I said last week, I thought Patricia's going to be forced to play Bourne. He's going to have to play him, but no, he doesn't. He finds a way not to play him. It is unbelievable. Now, let me just go through some of the bad offense today. So, second series of the game, third and six. Nice play. Mac finds Henry. You pick up the 29 yards. I referenced that play. Next play, he sacked. McDermott's beat. Okay. And then, after that, Stevenson gets you really close to first down territory. He picks up 18 yards. So, you're looking at a third and one, and he's sacked by Roberts. Mac is for 12 yards. Now, Stevenson whiffs on the block, but this is where I'll defend Stevenson. This is what I I can't understand what Patricia's doing here. On a third and one, you ran a play action. Why would you run a play action on a third and one? It doesn't make any sense. Either just run the ball or throw it. There's no reason on third and one to run play action. That doesn't make any sense. So, yes, Stevenson's got to make the block, but he just ran 18 yards, and you're having him pick up a pass rusher or a linebacker, whatever it is, and you're running a play action there. That it, just It's mind-boggling that you would even think that's a wise idea. All right, third series of the game. Full start for Brown. What else is new? Stevenson for three yards. Mack incomplete. Threw the ball behind Stevenson. So, again, a three and out for this team. And then you start to think about th some of the stuff where you had situations where Mack is nowhere close to Thornton. I referenced that one. And then... Harris on a third and one can't pick up the first down. It's so predictable, right? At the end of the half there where it's a third and one and they put all their big guys in there. Like the Dolphins know it's coming and the Patriots still go with the same play. It's unreal to me. A later on in the game, Mack had a nice play action pass that was incomplete to Henry. Henry's open and then Stevenson for three yards and then Mack is incomplete to Stevenson, but Stevenson's got to make that catch there. So it's just like the offense, it never finds a rhythm. It never finds a rhythm whatsoever. And that's sort of the issue that you continue to have with this team from an offensive perspective. I like got caught in the trap after the first series. I'm like, okay, maybe they figured something out. And then it's the same stuff. Week after week, we talk about, hey, Kendrick Bourne's not playing and receivers are running into each other. The route spacing is horrible. And all the numbers tell you that the offense isn't performing at even a mediocre level. Once in a while, you see flashes, that, but that's pretty much it. I don't feel better about the quarterback. I feel worse about the play caller. I don't really feel better about anything from this team today from an offensive perspective. And I, I know I've been harping on this all year, but I just cannot figure out why Bourne isn't playing. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. And then let's get to the special teams because this continues to be an issue for the Patriots. I reference at the top there, Schooler runs into the punter. Okay, you give them a chance then to go for it on fourth and one. They pick it up. That's the first touchdown drive for Miami in this game is because you're running into the punter. And if you look at the Patriots on the season, 6.4 penalties per game, that's 26 in the NFL. So because you can't control yourself if you're schooler, you extend the drive for Miami, Miami goes and scores. They should have been off the field there. I mean, that's the crap that just can't happen. 
And then you just look at it on the season. The Patriots, in terms of their punting, we ran through some of these numbers where out of 37 qualified punters, Bailey is last in net punting and Pilardi is third to last in net punting. As a team, the Patriots are last in net punting at 36 yards. Philly's second to last at 38.3. So your punting has been an issue all season long. And we saw it once again today. The punting was an issue. Remember, one of the the second touchdown that Miami had in this game, they took over at the 40 because you got a shitty punt, which continues to be an issue for this team. Even after Bailey went down, the guy that you brought in for him is basically just as bad. I mean, it's incredible. Like the special teams used to be such a strength of this team, and it's not anymore at all. And then you just look at the defense. I thought the defense played well overall. I mean, a couple of plays that you'd like to have back, right? I mean, Overall, though, you can't really complain too much about the defense. I mean, the one embarrassing play was the check down to Mostert, where Duggar, Bentley, and Phillips all couldn't make the tackle. You did have Uche with a neutral zone infraction that basically ended up extending the drive because they picked up a first down after that. McCourty did drop an interception, but all in all, the defense is pretty dominant again. And I get it. They're not going up against the best quarterbacks in the world. But Duggar had a pick six, which was huge in this game because at that point, the offense wasn't doing anything, and that makes it 14-10. to And then you had Jonathan Jones picked off Teddy Bridgewater as well, where that's on Tyreek Hill. The ball goes up in the air, but it's an incredible play by Jonathan Jones. And hopefully he's okay going forward because we all know that that secondary is completely banged up. But the defense has been carrying this team all season long. And I just wonder going forward if you just wasted a year of having an elite defense because the Patriots have it's I know San Francisco in most categories is number one, but the Patriots are right up there. They have one of the best defenses in the NFL, and it just feels like you're wasting this team right now, or you're wasting that unit because of how bad the offense is. Judon's having an outstanding season. Uche's having an outstanding season. I thought Barmore had a good game today. I know he's doing the waddle dance at the end of the game there, but all in all, they've done pretty good in terms of building up that unit and this whole idea at the beginning of the season, letting J.C. Jackson go like that was going to be an issue. It hasn't been an issue whatsoever. But just to sort of put a bow on where I'm at with this team right now, I just... Ordinarily, if your team is one win away from getting into the postseason, right, where you're like, okay, when and you get in, you're getting excited, right? And you're feeling like, okay, this is going to be awesome. Let's try to beat the Bills. Let's get into the postseason. But okay, let's say even if you do the miraculous and you upset the Bills, what's left for you? You're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. Like there's no ceiling with this team. They're a high floor team, right? Because they have a good defense and they're turning the ball over a lot less than they were earlier this season. But you just don't feel like there's a lot of or that there's a high upside with this team whatsoever. And that's where I'm at after watching this game today, especially after watching the offense and the play calling. I'm watching the Alabama game yesterday and I get it. Alabama's incredibly talented. They have a quarterback that's probably going to go number one in the draft. But I'm watching all the cool stuff they're doing offensively. And I'm just thinking to myself, please, anybody but Matt Patricia. I'm not telling you that Bill O'Brien's the best offensive coordinator like he's Kyle Shanahan, but he's got to be better than Matt Patricia. And look, at this point, Robert Kraft, et cetera, if Bill's not going to do it, they're going to tell Bill, hey, something's got to change because we cannot do this again, especially considering the fact that we use the 15th overall pick on our quarterback. All right. And by the way, I was a little bit worried for Mac in this game because I was thinking to myself, well, if they lose, I would almost do what the Raiders did, right? Where it's like, and I defended Josh the other day, but the Raiders thing was, okay, they're playing the 49ers. Derek Carr, if you look at the cap hit there, it's just over five if... You cut him after next year, but if you bring him back, it's over 34. He gets injured. You're playing the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, you're screwed. You can't move on from Derek Carr. And I would almost think about that since the Patriots offense has been bad all season long. I would have given Zappi an opportunity week 
18 against the Buffalo Bills. Why not? Mac Jones has had plenty of chances to prove that he's a really good quarterback or that he's making strides or anything along those lines. What's the point of playing Mac in the final week? Only a negative thing can happen, gets hurt or something along those lines. You know he's not going to play well. I would have given Zappi an opportunity in week 18. Obviously, you're not going to do that now because you're in a situation where you're planning to get into the postseason. But Mac Jones and his camp, so to speak, they're going to feel real fortunate that they won this game or else he may not have been starting next week against the Buffalo Bills. I'm not saying that I know that would have happened, but I would have certainly considered it. All right, I will get into the Bills and why I'm really, really pessimistic about the Patriots' chances going forward here. But coming up next, let's talk to three-time Super Bowl champ James White. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Welcome back into Off the Pike. Joining us now, it is three-time Super Bowl champ, James White. James, how are you, man? Doing well. Big win right there. Now they're in the playoffs. Just got to um, – they may get some help from the Jets. Hopefully they lose against the Seahawks. Uh, other than that, going to have to go out and beat a, a good Buffalo team next week. Well, James, before I get into this game in general, I just wanted to ask you because you have a lot of good memories as a Patriots player. I mean, heck, you set the record for the most receptions in the Super Bowl. And today on the broadcast, they're showing like the, the struggles the Patriots have had against <laughs> Miami. And they're showing you, man, the final week that you guys <laughs> lost to Miami when they had, who was it, Ryan Fitzpatrick was the yeah. quarterback. That was Tom's last regular season game as a Patriot, I believe, right? So, I mean, out of all the good moments you've had, it's kind of going to piss you off that they show that today. So at least they showed a highlight, you know, they could have could could have not shown a highlight for that game. So it was weird that they showed a highlight, not like a Dolphin highlight for that one. But, yeah, we've tended to struggle against the Dolphins, especially late in the year. Or, or if we play in the first game of the season, we usually lose as well. So for some reason, they always schedule those games like that for the first game of the year or like the, the last or second to last game of the year. They always have our number for whatever reason. Okay, James, so you got to help me with this because this is something I've been harping on all season. You weren't with us last week, but Kendrick Bourne, six catches, 100 yards. He's getting everybody going. You know, I love when he celebrates. It does feel like the team sort of galvanizes around his energy. He gets on the field. I know he had a full start, but then he had that 16-yard run on like a bubble screen, whatever it was, a running catch, I should say. If you have six catches for 100 yards against (laughs) last week and you felt like, okay, he was clearly the reason you got back into the game. Why isn't he playing more? I just don't. And this goes back to week one of the season. I don't, especially after last week, I felt like Matt Patricia is going to be forced to play him this week because of how yeah. well he played. I don't get it. I don't know why he's not playing. Yeah, I'm not sure. But like I said, new offensive coordinator. You had Josh McDaniels last year. Now you have Matty P. And like I said, offensive coordinators have their go-to guys and they must not be a go. he must not be a go-to guy to him for whatever reason. I think KB's a good football player. He brings energy. He brings a little bit you know, different attitude to the receiver group, you know, more than the other guys. He's a little bit more vibrant. And when he makes plays, he's going to let you know about it. He's going to uplift his teammates. But after a big game last week, I was expecting to see a lot of him as well. And he still, you know, gets subbed in the game, you know, kind of randomly. You don't really know when he's going to be in the game. But when the ball goes his way, he typically makes a play. And I think I think they have to find a way to get him involved more. And it's not just him. It's kind of all the receivers. They, I know they kind of got the ball to Taekwon a lot today. You know, Mac missed the the throw right right after halftime to Nelson. He had a step behind Keon Crossing. So they have all these guys who can make plays. And I said, it just seems like the offense really can't get on the same page with one another. When they do get a step on a defensive back, Mac misses it. And when Mac's looking for somebody, nobody's open. So it's just kind of like 
there's kind of no chemistry there in a sense, in a way, or you just can't find ways to get things going. Yeah, well, and the other thing about Bourne is uh, Patricia has been sort of fixated with screens, right? I mean, Mac hmm. Jones's drop back rate out of screens is the third highest in the NFL. Last year, he was like middle of the road. And you would think that if you're getting the ball out quickly and you want to use a lot of the quick game stuff, Bourne would be better yeah. in that role. Like Myers has been outstanding. I mean, he had another yeah. great catch today, but it feels like they're trying to force feed him the ball in those situations. And Bourne's sort of the more dynamic player after he has the ball in his hand. So from Patricia's perspective, if you are going to do a lot of that, it would feel like, hey, Bourne's the guy that you would maybe want to involve more when it comes to that. But speaking of Tyquan Thornton, what's it going to be like for him when they watch the film and he's like doing the celebration after he's out of bounds? <laughs> they, they, they won't give him too much. They'll probably laugh at him just because they won the football game. But that was, that was definitely hilarious. I know when he looked down, he probably didn't realize he stepped out of bounds before his feet looked like they were inbounds. But, but then again, he was open. Mac just didn't see him at first, and Mac just gets it to him earlier. It's an easy pitch and catch. So they had a little bit better execution down in the red zone, but it still seems – the operation when they get down there. I know like on the first drive, they had a call a timeout because they weren't getting lined up. It was the play clock was running down. It just seems like that happens a lot on third down and in the red zone. It just seems like that operation is just really slow. And that's when you should be at your best is in those situations because those are scoring plays and big plays in the game. Yeah, it seems like that's something we've been talking about all season long that they continue to struggle in the red zone. And you're right. I mean, again, today they have to burn timeouts. But in terms of Taekwon Thornton, I like the fact that, I mean, James, you've been calling up for this for weeks. Now, yeah. I, I'd like to see more Kendrick Bourne, obviously, but yeah. it is nice to see Thornton out there. I mean, he made a couple of nice plays today, and you can tell, like, the speed puts the puts pressure on the defense. Definitely, and he's, and he's just not just fast. You can see he's going up, catching the ball with his hands, and he's very quick because most guys who have those long strides are really fast and not really good at running routes, but he, but he is, and he's a talented football player. And what I like today most from Matty P was they challenged the defense vertically, which they – don't do every week. And when they do, it's it's really good when they throw the ball down the field. The guys are getting by guys, they're finding seams. And if there's nobody open down the field, you check it down. The guys like Damien and Ramondre, which they were doing, and they're getting six, seven yard gains. And obviously, you don't need to do that every play, but they do need to have that in the playbook each and every week, no matter if your your operation is to throw a bunch of, you know, short game like they did against Buffalo a few weeks ago. You still have to challenge them vertically because they're just going to throw the ball five, two yards down the field every game. That's what they want, especially teams that play a lot of zone coverage. They want you to just check it down, and they're going to come up and make the tackle. So it'll be interesting if they, you know, use the same game plan against Buffalo. Obviously, you have to scheme it up a little bit more against them because they play a lot more zone. Miami plays a lot more man, so you guys can, you know, guys can win one-on-one and things of that nature, which Hunter did. You saw Taekwon do. You saw Jacoby do it. And like I said, just got to find a way to get all those guys the ball somehow and, they get need more need more production out of the receiving group still. Yeah. What so what do you think of Mac today? Because he made a couple of really nice throws, like the one to Hunter Henry was really nice. He made a really nice throw to Thornton, but then there's a couple of deep balls where they just like one wasn't close to Thornton, one wasn't close yeah. to Aglor. He missed Henry like wide open in the flat. So it did feel like early in the game, I felt like they tried to get him in rhythm. And I felt like after the first drive, okay, maybe this is gonna be a good performance yeah. from the offense, but all in all, I felt like it's sort of more similar to what we've seen all season long, James, where it's kind of choppy with Mac. Yes, yeah, it definitely was a little bit choppy. Like after that first drive, it's like, oh, these it seems like they're going to roll today. And then after that, the second drive was was pretty decent. And I'm pretty sure it was two sacks on that drive that killed it. And then the third and one, that play got blown up or whatever. It's third and two. And after that, there was pretty much nothing in a sense until like the, in the last few drives of the game. But 
that's just been kind of the story of the offense as a whole. Just get one good drive, and then it's like, where'd that drive come from? Because now this offense doesn't look like they can move the ball whatsoever. Just one good play, one bad play, penalty, sack, get a gain of six. It's third and third and eleven or something. It's just just bad formula. And, but I think I think Max stayed composed today. I still think Max is a really good football player. Obviously, the offense as a whole has had its ups and downs. He's been hurt, but I still think he has more than enough talent to be the starter of this football team. He's the right guy for the job. I think he stayed poised, protected the football. I think that's what's most important. I think as long as they don't turn the football over, obviously the defense plays well enough to keep them in the game. And you got to give a lot of credit to this defense. Week in and week out, for the most part, aside from a few games, they've kept this offense in games and put them in position to be able to win. Scoring on defense, Doug has three touchdowns on the season, which is pretty crazy. Big shout out to him. He's he's turned into a, a playmaker. He's not just a raw athlete. He's trusting his eyes, reading quarterbacks, watching the film, and he's he's making the plays out there. So you got you definitely have to get credit to those guys. But if they want to be able to go deep in the playoffs, this offense is going to have to do a lot more. They got to be able to score a little bit more points because most teams that are in the playoffs are able to score you know twenty plus points. You're not hardly going. to – Obviously, sometimes it's going to be you know seventeen, fourteen, that type of thing. But a lot of these games probably going to have to score twenty plus points to win. Yeah, well, speaking of that, so with Mac uh, in particular, like, is there something you'd like to see them do specifically more? Because, like, we mentioned some of the players we'd like them to see involved more. I felt like they did actually in the first half of this game sort of emphasize trying to throw the ball on first down more because we've seen so often they become predictable running the ball on first down. Is there, like, a certain route where Mac's really good throwing a certain area of the field? Is there anything you'd like them to see do differently with Mac or emphasize more, I should say? I mean, not necessarily. I think they just continue to take shots down the field. That's the only way he's going to start to complete them if you continue to throw them and do them in practice and you do them in the game. Like I said, I thought it did a great job of trying today. Obviously, they didn't hit on them all, but especially when teams see that on film that you're going to challenge them vertically. That's what you see, like, a lot of the college teams, those guys are throwing the ball every single play. Like, I take a team like Ohio State watching them yesterday, for instance. They're, they were going at the Georgia defense. A lot of teams played passive against them because they're quote unquote so good, but they went straight at them. They challenged them vertically and, you know, took what they, the defense gave them. And you don't just sit back and, you know, have to scheme up a play, just go right at them. And I think that's what I like to see from this offense. And I have to, obviously a really good running game, two really good backs. That's always going to be a thing. Definitely have to get the ball to those guys. But to me, it's just being an attacking offense and, I think that's what they did that first drive. The ball was being spread around, spread around to everybody, mixing a run here and there, and vice versa. Every drive is going to be different and depends on the team that you're playing against. Obviously, if a team's not a good rushing, you know, rushing defense, you're going you're to run the ball a lot at those guys. But when you have those teams who can stop the run, look, challenge them vertically. I mean, challenge them because obviously they're really good at stopping the running game. So don't just try and run the ball 30 times. Allow your quarterback yeah. to, you know, let it rip a little bit stretch the field, and then when nobody's open, get into the flats, get it to the check down, and, and that's your running game in a sense. Yeah, you're not kidding about Ohio State, too. C.J. Stroud, that guy was un- unbelievable <laughs> yeah. last night. I felt bad for him that he lost. I mean, the, the kicker, I feel bad for the kid, too. I mean, he just hooked it. But I'm sure you don't feel too bad. He's Ohio State, right? I mean, you're no. a Wisconsin guy. <laughs> no, I like, this. I like to see the conference win, especially against SEC, because, you know, everybody, you know, quote-unquote best conference when there's only, like, literally two or three good teams that kind of run the conference, but they say it's the best conference. Uh, I definitely wanted to see Ohio State win that one. Oh, Michigan's the one that killed me. I mean, some of us may have had Michigan 
seven and a half. Okay, yeah. and they just they just they, they, I don't know what they were doing. I mean, they're trying to do like the Philly special to begin the yeah. game there down in the goal line. I mean, that, that was that was the turning point. That and then the, yeah. obviously the pick sixes, but is I don't get it. Everybody's going for it on fourth down all the time now. It's it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it it is kind of getting out of control when it comes to that. Oh, I did want to ask you uh, about a decision they made in this game today. So. Not that it matters because they end up winning, although some people are on the two and a half, but it's 23 to 14. And it's what, two minutes and 28 seconds left, I believe. And they go for it on fourth and four. And the Patriots have been incredibly conservative this year, James, in terms of they don't go for it on fourth down like at all. And they didn't take the point. They didn't kick the field goal there. Were you surprised by that? Uh definitely was surprised by that. I thought they would have definitely kicked it now pretty much would have iced the game for sure because Dolphins weren't moving the ball like whatsoever, but the you know, third string quarterback. So that, that definitely surprised me for sure. I definitely wasn't expecting that. Yeah. All right. So, hey, Josh McDaniels this week, he benches Derek Carr. Derek Carr is now apparently like away from the team. And you look at it like he's got a huge cap hit next year if they bring him back. If not, it's only going to be like over $5 million. And I defended Josh this week because, James, my whole thing is, all right, they're playing San Francisco. He could get hurt, right? I mean, that's yeah. a really good defense. And <laughs> yeah. then and then you're guaranteed you got to guarantee that money. He also has the most interceptions in the NFL this year, and we know that Bill hates turnovers, so I'm sure Josh hates turnovers as well, right? <laughs> yeah, Coming from the Belichick tree. <laughs> but I kind of feel like, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of like it sucks for the guy, Derek Carr, obviously, because he's been sort of the face of that franchise for a long time. But I think this is basically Josh saying like, hey, this is my last coaching. This is going to be my last yeah. chance to be a head coach in the NFL. Yeah. If I don't feel like Derek Carr is the guy that can bring me there, especially in that division, when you got to deal with Mahomes and Herbert, like... I as as bad as it is and as tough as a business as it is, I understand the logic behind the decision. Yeah, I definitely understand the logic. I think Derek Carr. I think he's a still a good quarterback. I think he's a good person. I think he you know brings his best each and every day. Tries to motivate the guys, but obviously, you know his career with the Raiders has been up and down, things of that nature. But I think I think a fresh scene for him would be really good. I think Josh. I, it may not even just be him. It could be, you know, ownership as well. It's just kind of time to turn the page. Obviously, you know, they've been a team that I think they've made the playoffs like maybe like once or twice since he's been there. And I don't think he's won a playoff game, maybe one playoff game. I don't know the whole statistics, but. No, they lost then, last I, year. They should have won. Oh, okay, no, they did yeah. win one last year. They did yeah, win one yeah. and then they lost the next week. They lost yeah. to who they lose to Cincinnati. So, but yeah, yes. he hasn't done much winning there in the yeah, postseason. Yeah. Yeah. But and it isn't all just on him as well, but. I think at the end of the day, it's a business de- business decision, and I think it's kind of time for a new guy to probably come into that organization. I know it's hard for to see a guy like that and not be able to finish the season out, but if it were being realistic, that team, even if they do make the playoffs and they need some luck to get in, they're not winning the Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, I think they're just kind of throwing in the towel, kind of getting prepared for next year. And who knows? I mean, they they could keep him. They're, they're going to see what they can get for him, possibly. And if it's not the right thing, they could still keep him. Because obviously, if they get rid of him, who knows what's going to happen with Devontae Adams? That's a big reason why he came there. But this NFL, it's a business at the end of the day. And I think the the money guarantee, that's a big factor. Because you don't want him to end up getting hurt and guaranteeing that money the next year. Then you're, kind of, you're pretty much stuck with him, in a sense, or seeing who wants to take him for that price. But it's just, it's tough to see. but. This NFL is a business at the end of the day. It's just be interesting to see what they try and do at the quarterback position. I know I've watched a little bit of the game that's going on right now. Stid was playing really well against this 49ers defense. So I know he's really excited for that opportunity. I know he was, you know, supposed to start that year in 2020 before we got Cam. I know he's really, 
you know, kind of geared up for that and kind of got shot down and never really got a chance to start ever since then. So I know he's chomping at the bit, and I hope he has, he has a great performance today because even if they do decide to go a different direction, they'll definitely try and keep him for sure to compete. Yeah, I'm still surprised he didn't get a chance at the end of the season that year to start just because you guys were mathematically out of it and it wasn't like you were going to bring Cam Newton back for a couple yeah. of years. Or so. I know he was back in training camp the next year, but I was surprised they never gave Stidham a chance that year. What do you, Why do you think the reason was there? They didn't have enough faith in him or something? Because at that point, it's like you're not playing for a playoff spot. I'm not sure. I think, obviously, Cam struggled a little bit that year. Not all of it was on him. You know, he came in late and things of that nature. And having to learn our offense at that point is really hard. Kind of learn on the fly. And we weren't doing too much to help him out either. As an offense, we we struggled a whole lot. But, yeah, definitely surprising they didn't give him a chance to play or start at least, you know, a few games. But that's just the way it goes. I think Bill wanted to probably see prepare for next year as well, thinking about possibly bringing a guy like Cam back, which we ended up doing. True. But, yeah. But, yeah. But then end up letting him go. So maybe that's why. <laughs> all right. So I mentioned McDaniels and the Raiders. I've been pushing that Brady makes a lot of sense there with all the weapons they have. I don't know about like his family situation in terms yeah. of where he wants to be living. Obviously, his family life's different than it was, you know, six, seven months ago. But I would like to see Tom there just because of all the weapons and being reunited with Josh. But so here's the fun question. Who, who do you think is the more likely former Patriots quarterback to start next year for the Raiders? Jimmy Garoppolo or Tom Brady? Ah, mm. <laughs> uh, that's tough. I feel like I, I have to say Jimmy G. I, I think I say Jimmy G in that one. I think Jimmy G had a great relationship with um, Josh when he was here with us, here with us, here with the Patriots, and I can see that reunion being a good one. But then again, like if things don't finish out right with the with the Packers as well, I can I can see Aaron Rodgers possibly. You know, mm. kind of kind of kind of getting over there as well, especially if Devontae Adams is still there. Find a way to get that guy over there would be pretty crazy too. <laughs> See, that's why I'm saying Josh is making the right decision here. Yeah. You can go big game hunting, Brady <laughs> Rodgers, and even if not, like Jimmy Garoppolo, you're gonna pay him a lot less than that's you're paying Derek Carr if he's your quarterback. So it helps you in terms of a salary cap thing. So I think he's making the right decision no matter what he does moving on from Derek Carr. And nothing against Derek Carr. Like I'm not saying he's the worst quarterback of all time no, or something. It just not. Financially, it, it makes a lot of sense, and maybe he'll end up somewhere that has an opportunity to win. Maybe he'll end, I don't know where he's going to end up, but yeah. we'll see. Oh, so I did, before I let you go, Matthew Slater, it could be his final game at Gillette today. Devin McCourty could be his final game. Both those guys' contracts are up at the end of the season. I'm sure it's going to be their decision. If Slater wants to come back, he's still basically like the best yeah. gunner <laughs> in the NFL. But just from your experience with those two guys, um, what would they be losing just in terms of the leadership? And what was it like to be around those two guys? Because obviously they've been captains for a long time now. I mean, obviously they'll be losing a, a whole lot of leadership. They'll be losing guys that have seen a lot in that organization, you know, Super Bowl champs, team captains for a long time. But I think most importantly is going to be the leadership and the experience and there's not many of those guys left on that roster, you know, from, you know, Super Bowl championships and things of that nature. So I think David Andrews, maybe one of the last few guys that has been there for like the longest tenure. And then obviously he'll still be there, but it's kind of hard to, you know, I mean, it's not, it'd be a little bit more difficult keeping the culture and maybe possibly the standard without guys like that in that locker room. So I know if they do want to keep playing, Bill will definitely <laughs> try as hard as possible to keep those guys in because, they're a big part of why the team keeps rolling. They're, you know, still in position to make the playoffs right now, especially with everything going on with the offense struggling and, you know, a lot of the coaching changes and all, all that good stuff with the coordinators. But 
just two extremely great people in the community in that locker room. You know, guys that I looked up to, not just as football players, but as men to have so much success from for Devin from the time he stepped in there until until now, still making big time interceptions, although he dropped one today. Even that's easy yeah. interception <laughs> he should have had. And, you know, Slate being a receiver, you know, coming in, you know, not really catching any passes and making a name for yourself should definitely should be in the Hall of Fame, is my opinion. I think he changed the way you know, a lot of teams looked at special teams as far as keeping guys on the roster, playing all four phases and making a crazy impact in the game. He definitely changed the way a lot of teams you know, use special teams or finding core special teams players, keeping guys on the roster strictly just for special teams. I think almost every team probably has a guy that's quote unquote like their Matthew Slater. So those two guys are extremely special. I don't know what their future holds for sure, but if both of those guys are gone, it's definitely going to be a huge loss. And I said, it's not many, not many of those guys left in that locker room, but a lot of weight's going to be carried by David Andrews. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, we know this. They're both going to get red jackets for sure. The yeah, Patriots 100%. Hall of Famers. <laughs> Speaking of the special teams, I mean, maybe maybe they can find somebody that can punt. I mean, that could be helpful in the coming year. I, yeah. What was that today, man? I mean, the punting situation. You guys always had, like, great punters. I don't know. Yeah. And Bailey was really good for a long time. Yeah. I And I know he's injured now, but I don't know what's been going on with this punting situation this year, James. That's actually my high school punter right there, Michael Flores. Really? Yeah, same class and everything, yeah. He's definitely been struggling a little bit. He definitely got to get things going. Uh no, he's probably averaging what like forty, maybe thirty some yards a day or so. So he's definitely got to improve for sure. But he, he definitely had a strong leg in high school. He did punts and kicks, or he might have just did kicks at that point. Yeah, I don't, I don't really remember. I'm pretty sure he just did kicks. We had a different punter, but definitely always had a strong leg for sure. Just got, just got to improve. Yeah, yeah. Got to get. He had a twenty-eight yard net today, which yeah, <laughs> not yeah. what you're looking for. But hey, hopefully you can get it back on track for this Bills game. Yeah. Or and, and hopefully the Bills will punt because I mean that's been yeah. an issue the past couple of years. That is true. <laughs> All right, that is th- that is three time Super Bowl champ James White. James, thanks so much for the time, man. No problem. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was. A kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Welcome back into Off the Pike. Great stuff there from James White. I did not know that him and Pilardi were high school teammates. That's pretty crazy. I will say this, though. Pilardi's going to pick it up. The whole punting thing with the Patriots has been one of the more shocking situations to develop this year. I mean, I gave you the numbers. They're the worst punting team in the entire NFL. It cost them big time in the game today. It's cost them on multiple occasions this season. It was just one of the things you could always depend on with the Patriots is they were going to have a strong special teams unit. Now, they've been good returning. Obviously, Marcus Jones not in the game today because he was dealing with a concussion. But all in all, that has been a strength in terms of returning kicks, returning punts. But in terms of actually punting, it's been a mess for the Patriots, and the scoreler played today. That's just indefensible. We've seen that happen on multiple occasions this year. So something they've been really good at the past two years, they haven't. Cam Accord has been the special teams coordinator the past couple of years. They have been really bad. That's why when originally the Patriots brought back Joe Judge, I was thinking to myself, oh, great. We can clean up the special teams. Joe Judge is back because the special teams was never an issue when Joe Judge was here. Not to say that he's some genius or something along those lines. I mean, he's definitely not a genius. Evidence will be his coaching tenure with the New York Giants. But instead, he's working with the offense, which has just worked out swimmingly that Joe Judge and Matt Patricia have been running the offense. All right, we got time for a call. So let's do one of those 617-396-7172. 617-396-7172 is the number. Hey, Brian. It's Brian on the Cape. Uh, just calling, first of all, to give mad props to J.J. Deskremski for two slam dunk betting tips with uh, Teddy Bridgewater covering on the road and with the commanders losing after playing the Niners. It was almost like a crystal ball. Uh, my second point is that I still feel like, even though I'm always happy that the Pats win, it just seems like it's all for naught. I mean, they could barely escape against a Dolphins team who is reeling and on their third-string quarterback and going to the playoffs, what are you trying to prove? I know it's never built. Uh, I know Bill, it's not in his DNA to try to tank or lose or, I mean, nor should they really in the NFL, but seems like it's kind of all for naught still. Never, didn't really see anything that changed my mind about the, the team or the offense. And even though Mac took better control, better care of the ball today, still a lot of missed throws, nothing spectacular just the same old same old crap uh your thoughts thanks bye all right good stuff there and i agree with pretty much everything you said and by the way i'll make sure to pass that note along to jj that he helped you out with his gambling advice i'm sure that he's going to be happy about that so good for you i'm glad that uh, jj helped there i mean those are some crazy things that he was throwing out i'm like jj this is unbelievable information i'm glad some of the listeners took advantage of it so that's awesome uh in terms of the patriots perspective here where it's all for not that's how i feel and that's sort of how i started things today is Nothing for me changed after beating the Miami Dolphins, and it continues to be this trend. And look, the defense has been great, but you're playing Teddy Bridgewater, and even Teddy Bridgewater goes down in this game today. So, I mean, some of the wins the Patriots have banked, the Sam Ellingers of the world. You beat Zach Wilson twice. You beat Mitchell Trubisky, right? So I understand, like, hey, you got to play who's on the schedule, and it's great that the defense basically shows up pretty much every week. They were great today. I mean, without Duggar having that pick six, the Patriots probably lose the game because offensively they had no juice whatsoever after that 
opening drive. So they needed their defense to pick them up in this game. And I do at times feel bad for the defensive players just because like Judon's having an outstanding season. Uche has been incredible. Barmore stepped up today. Like Barmore starting to play really well. Bentley's really improved as a player this year. Jonathan Jones, and hopefully he's all right going forward. He's had an outstanding season. Dietrich Wise had an outstanding season. So I just look at it and I feel bad for those guys because we really don't talk about them very often because the story has been the offense, but the offense is the story because Patricia's calling the plays and Mac Jones so far this season has regressed and taken a step back. So in terms of just going forward with this team, unless something dramatically changes over the next two weeks, like if you win next week, then get into the postseason, which I don't believe either one of those things is happening. Think about how we'll look at the season. You need to go out there and you need to get a play caller, whether it's Bill O'Brien. If it's not Bill O'Brien, it's got to be somebody else. The quarterback has not gotten any better, so you have questions. In fact, he's been worse this year, so you have questions about the quarterback and the offense in general has not gotten better. You, like, you wanted to make all these sweeping changes to what you were doing schematically, and none of it's really taken whatsoever. And you still are in a situation where you're wondering, how does this get better next season from an offensive perspective? Like, yeah, you got to get a new coordinator in, and maybe that elevates a lot because we've seen what some of these really good play callers can do for young quarterbacks in the NFL. But if the Patriots don't massively upgrade, and I guess it's difficult not to massively upgrade the offensive coordinator position, but if they didn't, then you're sitting in a very similar situation. And I am really intrigued to see what the Patriots do in terms of the wide receiver position next season. Kendrick Bourne's still under contract, right? Nelson Aguilar is done after the season, but Bourne's still under contract. Like if you're going to continue to do this shit with him and you're not going to play him, it's not worth bringing him back next year. Are you going to do the same thing to him next year? Like I really feel like they've lost a year of Mac and Kendrick Bourne trying to build up chemistry because those two guys were really effective last year on the field and this year they've just for some inexplicable reason they are not putting Kendrick Bourne on the field when you put him on the field he made a big play again today it's just baffling to me but just looking forward in terms of what the Patriots will have to do to get into the postseason beating the Buffalo Bills it just feels like at this point that team is in a different class than you and look they're going to play on Monday Night Football against the Cincinnati team and it feels like either way they're going to have something to play for next week right because even if they lose to Cincinnati, they're still going to look at it and say, okay, well, what if the Chiefs slip up? Now, I hope that they lose because I think it's less of that, but then maybe they're in the mentality where they, they're they so pissed off, they want to take it out on you, and they want to send you the message that, hey, we're the team that owns this division, et cetera. So I think either way, the Bills are going to come out fired up, especially if they win. If they beat the Bengals, they're going to be super fired up because that means they're in control to get that number one seed in the AFC as long as they went out. So either way, I feel like the Bills are going to be ready to go. And you just look at what Josh Allen has done to this team. This season, he he goes 22 of 33, 233, two touchdowns, no picks, a 106 rating. And remember in that game, the Bills just sort of said in the second half, the Patriots can't move the ball on us, so let's just run it. Like Josh Allen barely participated in the second half because he didn't need to. You go back to last year and you look at the playoff game. He's 21 of 25, 308 yards, Five touchdowns, no picks. He also ran for 66 yards. The Bills didn't punt, okay? And then he had a 157.6 passer rating, so nearly perfect. The end of the year game, right? So this is all post-windstorm where the Patriots upset the Bills. He was 30 of 47, 314, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He also ran the ball 12 times for 64 yards, and they didn't punt. Two games they didn't punt, and Josh Allen is doing whatever he wants with this Patriots defense. So you look at those numbers over the last three times that he's played the Patriots. He's 73 for 105, which is 69.5%. He's thrown for 855 yards, which is what, 285 yards per game. So he has just completely lit up the Patriots. 
what tells you, and the Patriots defense is good, but they're on the field way more than their opposition because the offense cannot do anything. You have so many different guys that you have to deal with with that Bills offense. What tells you that the Patriots are going to have a good answer for Josh Allen? Even though I like the defense and I like the defensive personnel, Josh Allen's on a different planet right now, right? He's one of the best two to three quarterbacks in the NFL. It's him, it's Joe Burrow, it's Pat Mahomes. He's right there in terms of the best quarterbacks in the league. And the Patriots have proven over the last three times they've seen the guy, they have no fucking answer for him. So that's what has me feeling pessimistic about the defense in that game. And then secondarily, Mac Jones has not been good against the Bills. Last time, he throws for a buck 95. He's 22 of 36, one touchdown, zero interceptions. But what, that's 61.1%. Playoff game where I give Mac credit in the playoffs. I thought he was one of the guys that was ready to go. Like he actually gave a shit. And him and Kendrick Bourne, ironically, comes back to the whole Kendrick Bourne thing. Those two guys actually showed up for the game when most of the team did not. Mack in that game, though, you look at the numbers, they're not great. Two interceptions. Now, one was ridiculous down in the red zone there, the first drive of the game. Two touchdowns, 232 yards, completed 63% of his passes. So that's a 75.8 rating. So even though I thought he played hard and he showed up, he still wasn't really good in that game if you just look at it from a numbers perspective. Week 16 last year, he was awful against the Bills. 14 of 32, that's 43.8%, 145 yards, zero touchdowns, two picks, and a 31.4 passer rating. So right now, like, we have legitimate questions about Mac's future with the organization. Can he be a franchise quarterback? And they struggled again today against Miami. Why should I think that he's going to have a good game against the Buffalo Bills defense that is much better than the Miami defense? And on the other side of things, yeah, the Patriots defense was great. But I can't expect you to slow down Josh Allen the whole game. The offense needs to give you help. And I just don't have any faith whatsoever that this offense is actually going to help the defense in this game to put up points and keep you in the game with Josh Allen and company. So it does sort of feel like right now, this win today is just, okay, great. You, you have another chance to play a meaningful game next week. And it just really feels like you're walking to your funeral, like you're getting ready to be eliminated in the final week of the season. I don't see how the Patriots, I would be pumped if they did. I mean, it'd be a miracle. You'd be like, oh, maybe they do have something. Maybe they made some progress all of a sudden in week 18, but I don't know how anybody could bank on that whatsoever. Oh, I did want to get back to this for a second. So I'm so upset with our greatest boss and bet of the week, which is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. So this week I gave you the three game, the same game parlay, three legs, and it looked like it was all going to hit. So Patriots win the third quarter, which they did, thanks in large part to the defense. The Patriots score more than seven and a half points in the third quarter, which they did, thanks in large part to Kyle Duggar and the defense, and they had a field goal prior to that. So we had those two covered. The last one was the Patriots to cover the two and a half. And remember, this was for plus 434 for these three legs to hit. And the Patriots needed to cover two and a half. They had it. They were up 23 to 14. All they had to do was kick the field goal. They make it 26 to 14. But instead, they decide not to kick the field goal. I still don't know why they didn't do that. James White doesn't know why they didn't do that. Nobody knows why they didn't do that, especially the Patriots, okay? I have no idea why they didn't do that. So then the Dolphins go down the other end, they score a touchdown, and the Patriots end up winning this game by just two points so they don't cover the final leg of the same game parlay for plus 434, and that's the one I thought was going to hit no matter what. That's the one I felt the most confident in because I felt like the Patriots are going to be fine playing against this Dolphins offense. Not impressed with Teddy Bridgewater whatsoever was anybody, and then they get this guy, Skylar Thompson, coming in. They couldn't move the ball at all. Tyreek Hill was not good in this game. Those guys were not a factor whatsoever, really, him and Jalen Waddle. So I felt really good about that, and that's the one leg that doesn't hit. Unfortunately, I blame Belichick. I blame Belichick for this. He must have known. That's that's the only rational conclusion I can come to. All right, as always, make sure to get your voicemails in 617-396-7172, 617-396-7172. 
Thanks to Jamie McClellan and Steve Cerruti for producing this podcast, and we'll chat in a couple of days. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.